Thank you all for tuning in to the 239th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting app where I haven't even be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York. Going to have a great show today. Going to have Kenny Simon, scouting expert for 247 Sports. And we are going to recap everything that happened for week 15 of NFL action. There will be a lot to discuss with Kenny. Sorry for everybody for getting the podcast out a day late. Kenny had some stuff to do, so we kind of pushed it back uh, just just a day. Instead of doing Sunday night recording Monday night, we will have a podcast ready for you guys Wednesday. I think we're, we're still going to push that forward. Uh, it's going to be, I'm going to have a new guest on, uh, somebody that I've never had on, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be NBA-related, and it's going to be about, it's going to be a 20 for 20, uh, the top 20 storylines for the NBA season since the NBA will be starting Christmas Christmas Day, which I believe is Friday, and then for the Friday podcast, as always, we're going to have Ben Karen on, host the Sports World Podcast, and we're going to preview what's coming up in the world of uh, football. And also, with Kenny on the show today, we're going to get into and just kind of recap the college football playoffs, right? Alabama's one, two is Clemson, three is Ohio State, four is Notre Dame. We're also going to talk about Texas A&M being fifth, Notre Dame being for what Kenny thinks about that. So we're going to get Kenny's opinion on that as well. So this should be a really cool, really interesting episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with Kenny. Again, I want to apologize for getting the show out a day late. Uh, we will not make a habit of that, but it just uh, so uh, just so happened to happen, uh, right? With Sunday Night Football going on, right? Kenny had some stuff that he had to do, uh, right? Because the Browns were playing and had a good game. Uh, they were playing the Giants, so we just decided to push it back. So that will not be the norm. And always, uh, follow on all your podcasting platforms, right? If this is your first time listening, follow me on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all your different uh, podcasting apps and stuff. Follow me on that. Also, share on social media. Tell your friends and your family about what we're doing here, the content we are putting out, because we're putting out some great stuff right now. Uh, and without you guys, this is not possible. So please continue to support. Please share with your friends, your family, and let them know what we're doing here, also check out the YouTube channel, type in Daryl Lane, and you can see uh, my uh, kind of Facebook little series that I'm doing outside the shop where I talk about everything that I don't get a chance to talk about on this podcast, and it's usually at longest, I think the longest was I ever did was today, it was like 13 minutes, so not really long, so a really quick listen if you want to check that out, go on YouTube, type in Daryl Lane, subscribe to that, and you'll get the notifications as I start uploading those every day, and Leave a five-star review on Apple and iTunes. So that'll do. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kenny Sim on the show. Cut up next after the break. back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. Sorry, guys, we're bringing the heat a, a one day later, but we're still bringing the heat nonetheless, recapping everything that happened with NFL football. Week 15, so much to discuss, right? 
The Bills won. The Browns won. See, Kenny, I love this. The Bills took it on Sunday Night Football. They did their job on national TV. Then the Browns do it against the Giants. We have the Steelers losing Monday, because since we're recording this on a Monday. The Steelers lose 20-17 to with the Bengals. I think that's what we'll start first. So I just want, Kenny, I, I just want you to talk about that, that loss, and how bad of a loss that is for Pittsburgh. Yeah, thanks for having me on the barbershop again. I know yesterday I was on a special assignment yesterday, but watching this Monday night game, we're doing this on a Monday night to recap. And, you know, today Pittsburgh Steelers go down to the Bengals. And so paying attention to the scores, that that means in week 15 we had two 17-point favorites go down with the Rams losing and the Steelers losing. The Steelers were a 17-point favorite. They lose outright to the lowly Bengals that have really packed it in since Joe Burrow got hurt. And and right now the Steelers has been, you know, due to the scheduling, they've been on national TV throughout the last four weeks, so everyone's had a chance to watch their games. I see a Steelers team that's on E right now, that they're on empty. They haven't had a bye week since week, thir- uh, since week three. They're going to play 13 games in a row and then a playoff game. They're on E right now. They 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 can't run the ball. Big Ben is really struggling throwing the ball, particularly downfield, <clears throat> either telegraphing passes, passes late to a defender. Guys are jumping the short routes, like you saw tonight with the Bengals, and and and, and they can't run the ball either. And so they only put up 17 points again. So they've uh, well they put up like uh, 17 points. 10 points of Washington, 15 of the Bills. I mean, they're struggling to break 20 right now. So I see a Steelers team. I see every team in the AFC right now. Every team right now is kind of getting hot at the right time and playing good, except for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are the lone team in the AFC in terms of playoff positioning that they are not playing their best ball right now. They are, they, they, they peak too early after the first 11 games because they are really struggling today. And I also think defensively, the loss of Bud Dupree hurts Big loss. because you don't have those two bookend pass rushers off the edge. So now you can shift your protection a little bit towards uh, T.J. Watt, but that was a big loss for them to lose those two guys, arguably the best duo in the NFL off the edge. So right now, the Steelers have problems right now, and and there's no there's no end in sight because they got to go in six days against a ten and four Colts team. On a Scale to one to ten, how concerned should Pittsburgh be? Like Mike Tomlin today, what what should he be thinking right now? Should he be like, you know what, we can figure this out. We got a couple more games left before the postseason starts. We're not going to get that bye, which is really crazy. They missed the opportunity to have the one seed, and that they just missed the golden opportunity. Uh, now they're going to be on Wild Card Weekend opening day. They're going to have to be on Wild Card Weekend. For uh, hell, for all we know, like and we were talking about this off air, they might not even win the division now. How, what do you think Mike Tomlin is thinking right now? He called it a JV performance when they lost, when they almost lost to Baltimore, right? That wasn't their best one yeah. without Lamar Jackson. How, what do you think Mike Tomlin is thinking right now? What do you think his concern level is on a one to ten? No, it's got to be a nine right now. It, it's got to be a nine, and they and um, they're they're currently the three seed. So so Buffalo is eleven and three two, and they and they got the tiebreaker over them with with head to head. So if you're looking at a potential. If you're looking at a potential um, two-three matchup. The Bills would be home in that in that game against the Steelers, but it'd be a nine for the reasons that we said because they're they 
they're they're trending down the wrong path, but but they haven't broken that twenty point mark. They're very one dimensional right now, and you know between dropping passes and just just, just Big Ben struggling to throw the ball downfield. You know, there's 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 no trade deadline. There's nobody coming out of the practice squad or on IR to help them. So they are what they are at this point. And defensively, they have shown some signs of warts. Um, I think with Josh Allen and even Ryan Finley tonight, but it'd be a it'd be a nine right now. And and and, and they don't have a bye week to kind of get this fixed either. I mean, they got to keep keep grinding out and playing games too and, and and i really just think if anything i just think they're on empty right now but it's like a, it's like if we're doing a 5k i mean i mean we have two weeks left and then the playoffs i mean we're really like 3k into the 5k race the Steelers have pulled their hamstring and there's no end in sight they gotta keep going and i think the health and just 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 the stamina of playing you know 13 straight games is the big concern with the Steelers that there's just no way to fix this on the fix this right now. It's got to be on the fly, and it's just game after game right now for them. So it'd be a nine. It'd be pretty high right now if I'm a Steelers backer. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Kenny, and this gets the thing with Ben. The offense isn't that good. Like, and you told me you think like 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 is Ben shot like. Well, I mean, I, I mean, it looks like it. It looks like it. So, so, so they came out tonight. I mean, they came out tonight. Just take a look at this first half. I, I mean, this first half they had they had five three and outs, a fumble, and an interception. Out of their seven possessions in the first half, they go five three and outs a fumble and an interception against against a very low-level Bengals team. But they can't run the ball, and they were just sitting on those first cuts, whether it be a slant, uh, a crosser on Juju and jumping that. I mean, they, they were just jumping the first thing because they know Big Ben is really struggling. I don't have any numbers in front of me, but i got to try to find these, but He's got to be extremely poor throwing the ball over 20 yards downfield. So when you have that amount of just how constricted that passing game is, I don't care who you are. These are NFL players on the other side. They could cover that when 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 they know that you know you can't run the ball, you can't throw the ball downfield. It's easy to defend a team. Is there any way we can? make an excuse for the Bengals' loss. Can we say that, you know, it's a division rival? I, I, I know they don't even have Joe Burrow, who's their best player, right? But can, can we just say it, maybe they took the Bengals too lightly to, or just flat out, it's just bad? No. No excuse. You can't do that. I mean, this is... You, uh, I mean, if, if anything, you got to be playing your best ball right now at this time of year, but they're going against a Bengals team. I mean, the Bengals team total tonight was 13 and a half points. So Vegas thought that they were going to score 13 points tonight. I mean, they, I mean that that was their team total. And so, you know, coming into this game, you're thinking, how many points are the Bengals going to score? Is it going to be seven? Is it going to be ten? And you think the Steelers could get at least 24 and kind of have a comfortable win. So, I mean, there's no excuse at all. I mean, they got outplayed. 
It's the bottom line. And and this is why I do like, I mean, this is why the NFL is the best sport compared to, you know, like basketball, for for instance, is is you got to bring in a play every week. And, and the players right now, you take a look at the players on the Jets and the Bengals, they don't care about the draft pick because they'll be drafting guys to take their spots. And coaches got to win to save their jobs too. So, and, you know, contrary to any outside narrative or noise, teams are trying to win, especially at this time of year. Oh, yeah, teams you're don't You're losing play. right now, and you're out of the playoffs. I mean, you're fighting for jobs in your career. And if anything, if this could be a new GM, they'd be taking a look at the tape and seeing who's playing hard these, these last four games where everything's lost. So losing teams, too. I think losing teams are exceptionally dangerous at this time of year, too. And that's why you see some upsets in the NFL. It happens every year. Now, I, I want to go with this. So let's look at the playoffs right now. So the playoffs start today in the AFC. Okay. Well, let me read this out to you, Kenny. And we have some new people that have clinched. Buffalo, we, we've clinched. Uh, you know, I'm so excited. Like I said, we're moving up in the world. So right now, KC is the one. I think that's likely what's going to happen. They will have a bye, which is scary, right? The best team has the bye. That's <laughs> the Steelers kind of dropped the ball there. As a Bills fan, I'm a little upset. I would have rather have seen KC in the wild card than have a bye. But uh, life isn't always what we want, right? So KC is going to be the one. The two right now is Buffalo, which means kind of next to nothing to me since there are no longer two divisional buys, but the Bills are going to be the two. The Steelers are going to be the three. The four are the Titans. The five are the Browns. The six are the Colts. The seventh are the Dolphins. The eighth are the Ravens, who had a big one against your team, Kenny, on Monday Night Football about 10 days ago. And then you have the Raiders, who have not been eliminated yet, but are kind of drawing dead at this point at seven and seven. So when I read you that... I think the most interesting thing when we look at is the race for seven, right? You have Baltimore on the outside. You have Miami at seven. Who do you see getting at home there? Getting get, getting that seventh spot? Yes. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Ravens still, um, just based on schedule. Ravens end the year with Giants, Bengals. So you're looking at 11 wins. Dolphins end the year. They got to play the Raiders next week, which they could still score. And then they got to play the Bills. And it looks like the Bills, unless the Bills have a one-game lead over the Steelers after this next week, the Bills are going to need a win to get that uh, get that two seed. So they're going to be playing still. Um, so it's a tough schedule for Miami. I still think Miami would be on the outside look, looking in. And as as I've said for about the last month now, I'm thinking it's going to be the Browns, AFC second-place team, AFC South second-place team, and the Ravens getting in. Ravens due to schedule. And the Ravens have played well the last, the last three games since they got Lamar back due to some poor defenses. But nonetheless, they're putting up. 40 points, over 34 points the last three games. Um, so I, I still think with this scenario, um, Dolphins are on the outside looking in. So right now to go back to this, so with how bad the Steelers are playing right now, they play the Colts. Who would you yeah. pick right now to win a playoff game, the Colts or the Steelers? Yeah, so they play this Sunday, and right now if it were to end, uh, they would play that three six matchup. Right now, I'm going to take the Colts in this case. I think the Colts have a Colts have a top five defense. 
led by defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus with, with, with DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard running around. But that's a team that can confuse you, make the quarterback hang on to the ball a long time. And their offense is right now Frank Wright and Phil Rivers going back to their day in San Diego together. They have a pretty good understanding of what Phil Rivers wants to do with the football, rediscovering T.Y. Hilton and and getting their line back healthy and leaning on that run game with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and, and, and if they could do that, that's a team that I don't know if they have the same amount of firepower on offense as the Browns and the Titans, but that's a playoff offense where they can run the ball 30 times, 150 yards with Jonathan Taylor, and they have a quarterback that's going to throw high percentage passes, keep the ball moving down the field, two touchdowns, no interceptions, mistake-free football. That does travel. So at this point, based on where the two teams are headed, and, 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 and knowing that, their offensive line matches up really well with the Steelers' pass rush and Bud Dupree. Getting Anthony Costanzo healthy, he came back a few weeks ago. That's a matchup where I would lean towards the Colts. And before this debacle with the Steelers, uh, the Steelers opened up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'd probably have to put that number about one-and-a-half right now with no fans in the stands. So one is a one-and-a-half-point game. It's pretty even right now in that 3-6 matchup. Yeah, very interesting to see, uh, to say nonetheless, right? Like, it's it's not looking good for Pittsburgh, and you're right, I, I, I could see the Colts sneaking one, right? You know, the Colts are very capable of doing that, and the Steelers are definitely, as we've spoken, are looking for answers. But, like I also said, big advantage also, too, for KC being the one. I think that's also interesting as well. Now, next, I want to go to this. Let's go to the NFC. So, I'm going to read you the NFC playoff scenario. Right now, the Packers are the one. The two are the Saints. The three are the Seahawks. The four is the Washington football team. The five is the Rams. The sixth is the Buccaneers. The seventh is the Cardinals. On the outside looking in right now for a wild card, I think we're mainly looking at here at Chicago, right? I believe Chicago would also have tiebreakers over Arizona if they had the same record, which is something to keep an eye on. And Minnesota has not been eliminated yet, eliminated yet, but I think we can all assume they uh, will not, uh, they will be eliminated soon. So, first, we can start at the bottom. What are the chances that Chicago can finish ahead of Arizona? Because to me, Arizona, I know they played well. Kyler Murray had a career uh, career game right against the Eagles. But how concerned should we be about the Bears potentially usurping the Cardinals for that seventh spot? Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, the Bears are definitely playing better since Mitchell Trubisky got inserted back into the starting lineup. Being a game out without a head-to-head, so they would go to the conference tiebreaker right now. Right now, Arizona has a... Arizona has... And and it goes by conference record. So you play 12 conference games. Arizona 6-4. and four. So they end the year with two NFC teams. The Bears play the Jaguars and then the Packers. They're 6-5. and five. So if they do tie each other on the wins... Um, looking like that conference tiebreaker would be tied and then would go to like a common opponents but right now I still like the Cardinals um, playing a little bit better the last few weeks with Tyler Murray so I think they could be able to win 
one of their last two games. I think they got two teams against the uh, two teams in the um, in in the West. Um, Bears still have to play the last game. So so next week they play the Jags, and then um, the Packers week seventeen. Packers would likely need to win that game to get the one seed, so they're going to be playing their guys, and I can't see the Packers losing to the Bears. Uh, might be a little bit more high-scoring competitive from that first game on Sunday Night Football, but right now, I would still put it, I think, Cardinals, i give them about a 65% chance to get that seventh spot, 35 towards the Bears. Now I want to go to this, so one seed is the Packers. In terms of the Packers finishing this out the rest of the way, what are the chances you give the Packers? Because I think this would be big for the Packers, right? Because I think the NFC, there's a lot of variance with all these teams. So if the Packers get the one, how big do you think that's going to be for them? And do you think they can actually finish that job? Uh, yes, I do. So they have, they have the, um, they got the Titans this week. So it's not a, um, it's not a conference game. So even if they lose, they would be tied if the Saints beat the Vikings this, this this Friday on Christmas Day. And so they would be tied, and then the Packers would have to beat the Bears head-to-head to get that one seed. It's still looking pretty good. I put the Packers right now as the best team in the NFC. Um, they've, been, they've been one or two this whole year, wire to wire. So I think they are going to end up finishing that job and getting the one seed. And it is important because you take a look at home field advantage. They have the home field advantage by playing in Lambeau Field in Green Bay in probably sub-zero temperatures under freezing. That's going to be a game where you want to play a team like, uh, you know, like the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Saints, a dome team with Drew Brees. No one's going to want to go up to Green Bay, you know, in, in, in a frozen tundra especially with no fans. You don't really have that adrenaline and energy. you got to make your own energy on the sidelines. Um, that's definitely where um, I would say home field advantage would favor the Packers in this case. And if you're at the Saints, you want to have it for the same reason, for being in the dome. But I think uh, it would be huge for the Packers, and I would put them um, with a uh, very good shot probably over 75% chance to get that one seed and think they'll be able to finish it there. So right now as well, we're also, and also that's a good point you mentioned too, right? Because Aaron Rodgers, he's a guy that I'm fairly confident can play well in the cold, right? I I don't think the Saints theoretically in a conference championship matchup, they don't want Drew Brees in Green Bay in January. That's not that's not what Sean Payton's drawing up in his office. Like this is our road to the Super Bowl, right? Like <laughs> that, that, that's not what they want. Even it seemed like the Rams, right? And I know the Rams don't really have a shot in this to get necessarily home field throughout. But the Rams aren't a team that necessarily wants to go to Green Bay. Even though Tom Brady's played in Foxborough his whole career, I'm not sure you really want the Buccaneers on the road there. Uh, I mean, even Seattle. Like, I'm not necessarily sure that's the matchup that Seattle, like, none of these teams, I, I don't think I, I would actually probably favor them to beat in Green Bay, to be perfectly honest with you, as I'm going through this list and thinking about it myself. Like, like can any of these, like, would you favor any of these teams to go in Lambeau and beat them? Um, well, last year came down to the last possession in the divisional game against Seattle, so I would give Seattle a shot. 
Um, but Green Bay was up in that game a lot. Green Bay was up, and then Seattle. Yes, yes, yes. They did come back. Yes, that that was correct. If I recall, I think it was like twenty-one to seven. Got it down to a, a one-possession game. Um, they've been able to run the ball a little bit, which is a weak spot on the Packers. But also, with these teams kind of jumbled up, we talked about really a a, a five-team group in the NFC take away the Cardinals and take away Washington right now. Those five teams are all relatively even, I think. Packers would not play on wild card weekend, so so that's an advantage to make the Super Bowl because they only got two games to go to make the Super Bowl first first three. And, you know, depending on the matchup, whether or not a factor, any of these teams could beat each other. So so the Rams could beat Seattle this week. And be back in that three seed. Seattle could beat the Bucks. The Bucks could beat the Rams. I mean, they were close on Monday Night Football. The, the, the Bucks Rams. So, so point is, you know, all all these teams are jumbled up. That's one reason why you want to get the one seed because it's just one less game you have to play. It's just one lot, one one less loss you could potentially face on your road to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to give you this. So in terms of the NFC West, would you rather be Seattle right now? Is the three? Would you rather be Seattle right now? They play Tampa. They'd be home. Tampa would go there. Would you rather be? Would Seattle? Do you think Seattle would rather want that, or be in a situation that the team that has the second best record in the NFC West, the Rams, where they'd be the five, but they would play the NFC East winner, which right now is Washington? What, what do you think is better to have that home field matchup and they play the Buccaneers, who are, as we've said, you know, if they all put it together, you know, maybe NFC watch out, even though it doesn't seem like they've done that yet to this point, or is it better to be on the road as the fifth seed and they're like, okay, we get the NFC East? Yeah, I would want to be. Uh, I would prefer to be on the road, and um, you know that 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 potential of four or five game uh, yesterday, Washington and Seattle. It was twenty to five, but but Seattle was up pretty comfortably at one point. So I would still want to play the lesser opponent, um, playing Washington or that NFC East team if it if if it is the Giants. Um, they would be probably about a you know a touchdown favorite on the road for, for, versus being at home you know against the Bucks or the Cardinals probably be about a four point favorite. So so the the, the easier opponent, easier matchup in this case would still be Washington, knowing just how how limited they are on the offensive side of the football. They are six and eight. They won four four in roaches just just now until they lost yesterday to Seattle. I think they're still 30th in points. Very little weapons to work with. Um, McLaurin not 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 getting the amount of targets and volume with Alex Smith as he did with Dwayne Haskins. So I think that'd be a team they could battle up and you know hold them to 15 points. Even if your offense is playing bad, you're gonna have a chance to win if you give up 15 points only. If not, if the offense is rolling, you're gonna have a chance to blow them out. So. Um, you know, we talked about that one seed's very important. I think the second seed that I'll be looking at is whoever wins that five spot, I think. Yes, you got to go on the road, but that five spot, I think is a little bit of a blessing there. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get into what happened Sunday night. Kenny's Browns made a statement on Sunday Night Football, so we're going to get into that kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk.
we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sim with us. Scouting expert for 247 Sports before we were kind of, you know, talking a little bit of Steelers. Uh, what the hell's been going on with them? We kind of dived into that also. Uh, went over some of the scenarios that are going on in the NFC and the AFC. Playoff projection-wise. So now I want to get to this. So, Kenny, you're watching the game on Sunday night. Browns versus Giants. And the Browns take it to the Giants. Just meat and potatoes. Bring your lunch pail to work. Football. Like, those were some men out there that night, Kenny. Like, I, I know you were happy. I know you were in your house and you were getting puffed up. You're like, that's what I like to see. Just talk about that feeling. Yeah, I mean, it was just a really, it, it, it was just a really workmanlike effort. And and three things that stuck out were <clears throat> the Browns only had the ball three times in the first half. And getting to the end of quarter three, they only had the ball five possessions. And they finished with seven. So typically you have the ball 12 times a game. Uh, so you see what happened in that game and see how, how, how did the Browns have three possessions in the first half? Because because they completely dominated the time of possession. They had two 95-yard drives because they always had that run game. Keep the clock moving, run the ball with the lead. But then Baker Mayfield goes 27-32 broke the Cleveland Browns record for highest completion percentage in the game, 84.3%. He goes 27 to 32. The ball never hits the ground. So now you have the run game going. You got the pass game going. Clock keeps moving. And the Browns just go on these long, double-digit play drives, 95 yards twice, 75 yards right down the field, not even phased. And that's and that's kind of uh, how they just squeeze out possessions like that. Now, one of the points I had is Baker Mayfield in this offense, it's going to take time. And, you know, a lot of people taking shots at Baker Mayfield at the beginning of the year. He had his 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 fourth offensive coordinator in three years. That's not an excuse. That's called justification. So, so he's starting to get fresher with Kevin Stefanski. And it was really that bye week. In the middle of the year, they really pulled apart what Baker Mayfield does well, where does he struggle, and tailor that offense and really self-scout, and they have come out hot. Baker Mayfield, since week seven, since that pick to Odell Beckham, he has 15 touchdowns, one interception. Pro Football Focus has him as the number two quarterback during that span behind Patrick Mahomes. His quarterback rating is number two. He's up in QBR to fifth now. He is a top five, or, or, or I wouldn't go that far, but he's playing He's playing as good as football as anyone in the league. His quarterback rating is number two behind Mahomes. Playing as good as anyone. I think the Browns have a top five offense right now because now they've shown that they can run the ball. But also when they have to throw it, they could throw it. And Baker Mayfield's at his best when he's throw when when he's distributing the ball as a point guard. Being be, be, being a point guard, not not a shooting guard. Point guard distributing the ball to tight ends, to repertoires at receiver. And, and he's really mastering this offense right now, whether it's going empty, picking out the matchups, that bootleg game that they do so much with Kevin Stefanski, really starting to master this offense. This is definitely a very scary team because now you start looking at how do you stop this Browns offense because it was stacked the box. But over the last three weeks, with Baker Mayfield against the Ravens, the Titans, the Giants now, 
he's playing as good as any quarterback in football right yeah. now. And I think maybe before the book was, you know, rattle Baker, he's going to turn it over, he's going to make mistakes, and uh, he's not doing that. Like, he, he's growing up before our eyes as an NFL quarterback. Like, he's really becoming a pro. And then you just look at, and I love his connection with Jarvis Landry. I think, I think him and Jarvis have something special going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is kind of, you know, coming in this offense, you know, if you project out to a full year next year, in year two, and you see kind of the jump Aaron Rodgers should take in in this offense, uh, the kind, kind of the jump that Jared Goff took in year two, you know, you project this out, you know, I mean, it'd be projected out to about 30 touchdowns, six picks for Baker Mayfield. You know, maybe it's more along the lines of 30 and seven, but in year two, if he really begins to master this offense and continues to get better, you know, this is kind of the ceiling of what, what, what I kind of thought Baker Mayfield would, would, would have in year three, four, and five is being in that top eight to 12 in the quarterbacks. And that's as, you know, I think that's as good as you're going to get um, because you got your tenured guys always, the, the Rodgers and the Mahomes and the Wilsons always. But but if, if, if he's playing in that, you know, that, it's very subjective, but that seven to ten range at quarterback, you can win a lot of games and make deep runs in the playoffs if if if, if you got a quarterback playing like that. Similar to how Ryan Tannehill is playing like that too in that offense too. You see your you see your 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 two at Tannehill too. Even we saw what uh, Case Keenum did for that one year in that Minnesota system. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So so um, there was just a just just. Very comfortable, just just throwing those darts on third down. I mean, they go nine of thirteen on third down against the Giants' defense. I mean, that Giants' defense came in eleventh in the NFL. They were a good defense, and 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 they were able to bottle up the run. And not and not and nine point three yards per pass for Baker. Exactly, it's not checkdowns either. I mean, I'll, and 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 really, 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 the scouting tip here is on first down when they go play action, they're looking to push that ball down the field, and that is a shot to take. Uh, a, a potential to take that ball down the field early on is play action on first down. That's really where NFL teams are really, really yak up those chunk plays. And it is hard in the NFL to go long plays, three yards in a cloud of dust, check down. The best offenses have the best explosive plays, over 20 yards. Between talent level and Kevin Stefanski di- dialing up those plays, the Browns are getting up to that league leader in those explosive plays, those twenty-yard pass plays. And yep. when you're tired in the second half, this is very sound analytically. The Patriots have done it for for years, Daryl. In the first half, you throw to score, get the lead, run to win. In the second half, bleed that clock. That's what the Cleveland Browns did. And hey, how about the offensive line? Gave up one measly sack. Baker Mayfield, 32 attempts, only pressured on two of them. That's an offensive line that's close to, close to number one in run block, number one in pass block. It's it's arguably the best offensive line in football. Kind of reminds me a little bit like that 2014 Dallas Cowboys team with the leading rusher in, DeMar- in, in, in DeMarco Murray. Romo was really efficient uh, with, 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 with completion percentage. Had Des Bryant. The Browns don't have a Des Bryant, but they have a lot of guys that can do that. You can control the clock. That's the type of team, too. And it's the same thing with, 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 with the Titans. That's the type of team that could give Kansas City a run for their money because they could score a lot of points, but they could do it by just bleeding that clock and squeezing possessions. 
Cleveland Browns looking very dangerous right now. And I also say this: What would you? Because you, you you've mentioned this to me before, Kenny. Uh, I think it was when uh, I forget who Jacksonville was playing, but Jacksonville was playing somebody a couple weeks ago, and they had I forget his name, Luke or whatever, was starting. Not a very good, uh, worse than replacement level. Uh, and you were kind of like, you always hate these type of games. I think they're playing the Browns. No, the Browns are playing them. The Browns are playing the Jaguars, actually. And, and you were kind of like, you hate these games because people are always like, you know, you should beat that team. They suck. Their quarterback's awful. They're playing Colt McCoy, guy. You know, you know, the, the Browns drafted him. He's not very good. Uh, you know, he's just a guy, kind of. And what would you say to people who are kind of skeptical and like, okay, they're playing a team with Colt McCoy as their starting quarterback. They should do this. I mean, they should did it, and they did. So you gotta give you 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 gotta give them credit. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you saw what the Bengals and the Jets did. These are still NFL players. They can't control the schedule. I mean, you. I mean, you play who you play on your schedule, and just 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 act accordingly. And the Browns acted accordingly. And and this was a big game for both teams, because if the Browns, if the Browns were to lose this game. They'd actually be on the outside looking in and that eighth spot in the playoffs. And the Giants needed the game because the Giants would have been in the playoffs and in first place if they won that game. So there was a big game for both sides, but the Browns did it against the Giants. They got to play the Jets next week. So it's the same thing. It's, 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 it's the same thing like when they played the Jags. Um, you see it with, with uh, in college football against the low mid-majors teams against a power five. I mean, if you lose, the mob comes out <laughs> wanting wanting blood. If you win, they say, well, you're supposed to do that. If you win close, it's basically a loss. You can't win these games. So, you know, I just take a look. Is it is, is if you're doing the right thing for the Cleveland Browns, if you're not turning it over, you're protecting the quarterback, playing sound defense, if you're doing those key indicators and winning – you just go one and zero and move on to to the next week and just do it that way um, and kind of go from there. So now I want to go to this. Let's go to the I think the team in the AFC. Kansas City played the Saints. Supposed to be the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, you know, twenty nine to thirty two win for the Chiefs. The most interesting thing about this, and I want to just give you this stack. The the Chiefs and like the Saints are a really good football team. Like the 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 Saints won like eight straight games and they won like four straight games with their backup quarterback. Like the Saints are a really good football team. The Chiefs had ninety two plays to the Saints fifty two. Just think about that. The score was close, but they dominated the game within the game. How like like. It, it, does this stuff this does this stuff not just amaze you, Kenny? Like, ninety two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, ninety. Yeah, I mean that's like a, I say what a fast paced college team does, but you know they can beat you so many different ways. But doing that and and, and then going off those ninety two plays though is, I would have to look hard and. I've been looking at box scores for years, but uh, the uh, the Chiefs had 42 minutes time of possession. I mean, that I, I don't think I've ever seen that. Like I've seen like 37 and 38 and 39 occasionally. You get a run dominant team, but I don't think I've ever seen 42 minutes in time of possession. But that's what they did. I mean, because they had their run game going, and they and, and they and they were running the ball. I mean, they 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 were rolling Bell and, and Edwards Hilaire 
along with just the pass game too, that that efficient pass game. I mean, it almost seems like Kelsey, you throw to him and Tyreek Hill, it's an automatic completion. But I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this drive chart. Maybe they wanted to try to uh, the Chiefs keep Breeze on the sideline and see if they can win a game when they don't need to go fast pace and just kind of just run their plays and just run their offense like that. But, I mean, they're going on these several five-minute drives today, uh, 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 yesterday. So, overall, just very impressive. And then they get the lead late. You saw it against the Bucks. You saw it against the Saints. They have the ball with, like, two minutes left, and the Saints have to burn some timeouts to get the ball back. It's hard enough to defend the Chiefs. It's even harder when you know that they're not going to sit on the ball and run it three times. If they could throw with Mahomes and still get completion and keep the ball moving. And I would even go as far as saying, I think I think you can make a case the most dangerous weapon in football is, is Travis Kelsey. In terms of the skill positions and looking at wide receiver, tight end, throwing to running backs. Uh, in, in, in terms of that pass-catching weapon, you can make a case that Travis Kelsey is arguably the most dangerous weapon in the NFL right now. Yeah, and then and then you look at this and like the, here's the thing: the Saints are a good football team, man. Like we wouldn't be shocked if the Saints ended up representing the NFC. And the Chiefs just dominated. And I know it was close, but the Chiefs dominated them. Then they have like, they almost had like 200 more yards. <laughs> like. Right, and and they made a yeah, I mean they made a close late because it was twenty nine fifteen, and then and and then, um, they had the fumble. They uh, uh, Mahomes had the fumble on the strip sack. Saints score again to make it a a one possession game, but then Chiefs go on that ten play seventy one yard drive, take up five minutes and change to make it a two possession game, and then and then and then, and then the times work against you because then you score again, but still a one possession game and the. Chiefs are going to go right back on offense. It's just so, so so hard to defend them on that case. But, um, you know, Saints were able to, uh, with, 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 with that pass defense, pretty highly touted, keep Mahomes at a pretty a pretty pedestrian 5.4 yards in attempt, keep the ball in front of them. But, I mean, a combination of him and Tyreek Hill, it's, it's hard just to stop them for that long and Give, give the Saints a little credit because for 18 minutes they still put up 29 points in 18 minutes. But if if, if the Chiefs could do that, and, and, and if you know the Chiefs could beat you so many di- different ways, if the Chiefs could go into that ball control offense, and I don't know if they're going to play, you know, potentially in their in their arsenal. But 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 if the Chiefs have you know a type of game when they kind of want to play like a an offense like the Browns and the Titans and go ball control and either run it or just have Mahomes get completion after completion and do this long possession game, the Chiefs could do that as well. And it's going to be hard. I just don't think there's enough possessions if you have the ball like for 20 minutes, 22 minutes against the Chiefs to be able to score every single time and do that. So and the, and the- that's another way they could do that and protect their defense that their defense does have some holes. They could get down. So, but, that's a way they can win. But, but here's the thing, like, 
as good as the Saints did with, with their pass coverage, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, 54% completion, I think he had, right? 55%, excuse me, he had 55%, but three touchdowns, zero picks, 254 yards. That, that's a really good game. We talk about Patrick Mahomes' net bad games. That's a... That, that's more than good enough. And then they get 180 yards rushing, 179 yards rushing. Like, and, and they did the same thing against the Bills when they needed to, you know, when their passing game wasn't necessarily full force to every team. They're selling out to stop the pass, trying to keep everything in front of them. Like, can't, if Kansas City needs to run the ball and gouge you, they will do that, and they can do that. And we know what Clyde Edward-Hilaire is. He's more than capable, and if Le'Veon Bell is, is coming along, too, like, they are very capable. And they can do some stuff with Tyree Kill in the backfield, too. Patrick Mahomes can run. Like, if they want to gouge you in the run game, they can do that. If you're not going to let, if you're going to try to say, okay, we're not going to let Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey just line by and, and you know, and we're not going to throw all these verticals, we're not going to let you do that, they can do it a different way, too. And, and it's less flashy, it's not as cool, it's not as fantasy football friendly, but it's deadly. Absolutely, absolutely. They, they, yeah, there, there's, there's multiple paths of victory for them. So now I want to get to this. So with the Saints, so Drew Brees, first game back, 44% completion percentage, 234 passing yards, yet three touchdowns, one interception. How would you grade this performance since he's coming back? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, I mean, you're definitely a combination of rusty and rusty and not fully healthy. So, um, you know, I was a little surprised that. He came back for this game because you get an extra week of rest, and I mean, this 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 matchup between the Chiefs and Saints, um, it had the fourth best winning percentage between the teams week fifteen or later. So both teams were what twenty two and one coming into this game, twenty two and three, or whatever it is, is the fourth. Uh, uh, this late in the year, you you could see a Super Bowl preview. So, you know, maybe maybe not having that type of tape on Drew Brees could have been an advantage for the Saints if they play again. Uh, but you know, he came back. He wasn't fully healthy. He he, he wasn't fully healthy. He was beat up. He was rusty. And you got to go against the Saint, uh against the Chiefs team that could get after the passer. So, um, yeah, I mean, struggled in terms of, you know, throwing the ball with the, with, with, with the completion percentage had three scores, but, you know, I think it's just simply that he's got to continue to heal and get a couple of snaps under his belt. I mean, he's working off 11. I mean, he had 11 broken reps, 11 broken reps. Um, so I think that was the main culprit of that, of that performance, because you always expect your breeze to kind of, you know, be in that 70, 75% range in terms of completion percentage. And also I will say this, Michael Thomas didn't play too. And, and, right, right. So he's on IR until the end of the year. So he'll be back to the playoffs though, but he's, he's out the remaining three games. Do you think they should have also integrated Taysom Hill more into the game plan? Like, I... Yeah, yeah I mean, I think, uh, yeah, so so coming into the game, so coming into the game of the pregame, um, Drew Brees was the starter. Jameis Winston was going to be the backup. If Drew Brees went down, 
and Taysom Hill would revert back to his slash role, wildcat quarterback, special teams player, sprinkle him in a few plays. He would go back to that role. Um, but I think, especially, I mean, we talked about a lot now with 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 him is if you have Hill in the game with, with Kamara in short yardage, red zone, green zone opportunities, that could be an advantage. And, you know, the fact that we talk about have Taysom Hill in there, 15, 20 plays, defense has to prepare way more than 30% of their time in practice on Taysom Hill with that. So, you know, that's would be something that I could see them doing in the future would be incorporating Taysom Hill more, running the ball, short yardage, a couple of series maybe, um, and and do that because he is a weapon and it is tough to prepare for that. And then you have all of the traditional passing that your breeze brings. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to continue to kind of dive in what happened for Week 15 of NFL Action, kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sem with us as we are recapping everything that went down in week 15 of NFL action. So, Kenny, let's get to this. Jalen Hurts, 338 yards passing, three touchdowns, rushed for 63 yards, 11 rushes. Close game with the Cardinals. Cardinals were a good team. so, So not, you know, the worst loss in the world. Really close. He's been playing better than Carson Wentz. Can we call Jalen Hurts the guy? Like, is Jalen Hurts making his claim? Man, that was a good start again. I mean, I mean, another good start. Over 400 yards of offense for him. Um, so, they're going to have to make a decision at the end of the year with Carson Wentz, whether to bring him back or the way Jalen Hurts is playing, you know, you can't have both on the team. It's either going to be Carson Wentz or not or, or, or not having Carson Wentz as a backup. So I think that's going to be kind of where they want to go. But, you know, after seeing this and kind of seeing kind of uh, 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 increased production, you know, I'm trying to think this Eagles team, Carson Wentz has been the problem all the time. <laughs> Look, I mean, Doug Peterson's won Super Bowl. I mean, uh, I mean with the backup quarterback, Bowl. by the way, with the backup quarterback. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, negative reviews coming up last year uh, when he got his extension. Some of the teammates anonymously weren't too fond of him. Now. He said he wants out of Philadelphia. Carson Wentz doesn't call the shots on the team. So, you know, that's a problem. But, 
you see the uptick in offense. You kind of see how they could go about spread out RPOs. Jalen Hurst and Miles Sanders, that's dangerous in the backfield between those two. Then, I mean, they could still scheme open, scheme open some throws, make it easy. And that's part of being uh, being a play caller, too. And Jalen Hurst is executing it. And that could be hard to defend, too. And, and, and Jalen Hurst has, over the course of his college career, became more and more of a productive passer, particularly in the pocket. And, you know, he's He's a productive player. I wouldn't go as far as saying, you know, still, still a little limited. Um, wouldn't go as far as saying, you know, he's the QB of the future, and you're gonna have to bring out the long-term extension on him. But there is something to say that you want to build your team around a type of a player like a Jalen Hurts, under contract for virtually no money, and 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 not have to do a huge extension with a quarterback and build kind of the team around that with a highly productive second round pick that could work too in the NFL so it was a productive display on offense they fought hard they they, they, they scored enough to win you know this is something that they could continue to do and all we said was this has a lot of layers to it Daryl a lot of layers from ownership on down to the players if anything, Jalen Hurts has gotten the right to start the end of the year. He's going to have four games under his belt a quarter of the season. Probably going to have 120, 150 throws to break down. And we can kind of take a look at this sample and say, okay, can we go forward playing the quarterback position like this in the future? And then can we find somehow a trade partner to get rid of this albatross of a Carson Wentz contract? Or maybe they want to keep Wentz. I don't know, but they got to figure that out. I think that's the number one thing on the team, not head coach, not GM. The number one thing is the future of Carson Wentz because you can't have the dynamic of a team in a locker room when you have your most expensive player not playing and yeah. being a backup quarterback. Yeah, the, it's got to be Hurts or Wentz, one of them. Yeah, this could get toxic. Uh, Carson Wentz kind of already floated out there. If he's not the starter, he does not want to be there. Here's my thing. I don't know with this bloated contract how many teams are going to want to. I don't think they can just outright cut him, right? That doesn't make sense. So I think it, it, it could get interesting, right? And here's also the thing. As good as Hurts is playing, I don't think Hurts is playing anywhere near as well as Carson Wentz did for those games in 2017. So I think there's also that, that maybe they can bring back that Wentz. But here's what I want to ask you, right? Right now, just yes or no, Kenny. Jalen Hurts is a better football player than Carson Wentz, right? Yes, yes. So why is that the case? Like, Carson Wentz is a veteran. Like, He's 27. Like, why is this happening? I think that's the most concerning thing about this. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jay, I mean, Jalen Hurts is. I mean, he's 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 getting the ball that quick. He's he, he's not hanging on to the ball. He's not trying to. I don't know if he's trying to just extend the play and just trying to create something out of nothing. He he he's playing a good quarterback position. He's not turning it over. I mean, that was half the battle with with the. Eagles is you take a look at very important indicators. You take a look at the quarterback stat line, and you know, you, I mean, you could go across the line and look at it, but really you get a good value if you kind of combine certain things together. So you look at those negative plays that really cost a team interceptions and sacks, and really you want a winning 
performance is if you have, you know, one turnover and you keep that number to about two or three. When you start getting more than that, I mean, you take a look at how many times a series ends on a sack. Turnovers are chronic. Carson Wentz, I mean, several games. I mean, that was the norm. Several games, that number was at six and seven and eight. You can't win like that. So, so he's athletic enough to extend plays. Hurts, uh, just getting the ball out quick, and and and, and avoiding hanging on to the ball. And, and you know, I think he's a more athletic player than Wentz too. So, you combine those things: smart, athletic, play within the offense. Those. Those, those three things. Because you take a look at Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz had the big three in the negative way for a quarterback. He, he, he led all quarterbacks in sacks, turnovers, and interceptions. Yeah, it's definitely not looking like bad news bears for Carson Wentz. And I want to go to this. So, Tampa Bay. They play Atlanta. Atlanta started out 17-0 on the Buccaneers. And it's like, oh my God, what's going on with Tampa Bay? And then they end up coming back, and they end up winning the game. Where are we at with Tampa Bay? Are they more fraudulent or for real? I mean, I would say a little bit more in this case. Uh, I still think they're for real. And I think they're going to be, I mean, I still think, you know, you take a look at what Tom Brady did today, or uh, a couple days ago. 400 yards and two scores. Solid 110 quarterback rating. You know, I, I, I still think it's going to be hard, it's, it's going to be hard to knock out Brady in the playoffs and you're gonna have to go on the road yeah yeah i mean you have that and you got a defense that had 10 10 tackles for losses today too so so it's still a defense that they're gonna stop the run and they're gonna force you to be one-dimensional so you know even a game like matt ryan had three touchdowns 350 yards wasn't enough so so if they could if they completely take the run game out, force a one-dimensional passing game, and then an offense, I think they're slowly, you know, slowly kind of figuring things out with 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 getting the ball more towards tight ends and Antonio Brown. Um, you know, we talked about him. I think his ideal spot in this offense is if he's in that Julian Edelman role in the slot, kind of working one-on-one, working those option routes against the corner. Um, you know, that's just such a weapon with Antonio Brown still. So if they do that, you know, that defense travels, specifically talk, uh, uh, stop, stopping the team's running game, it's going to be a tough out. Uh, I don't think they're going to get blown out at all. I think it's going to be a 16-minute fight. You know, I take out Tampa, and they came out of the bye week now, what, two wins now in a row um, after that bye, because they had the very late bye, so 2-0 and after the bye, and they end their season with the Lions and the Falcons again, so they could finish the season 4-0, and kind of coming in hot with the offense, working off two good performances on offense. You know, I think they're more of a team that's going to be a tougher out in the playoffs. So here's the thing I want to say that does concern about Tampa Bay's offense. 45 passes to 18 rushes. And I know they were down 17-0 at one point, and that has a lot to do with it. But to me, that's too imbalanced for this team. 
I, I feel like they need they, they need to run the ball the run the ball more than that. Like in terms of that 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 run to pass ratio. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, I think I, I, I think getting Ronald Jones back for the playoffs is going to help because he's out, um, he's out right now with a I think COVID and a finger, but he'll be back. And he was productive, and definitely in this game, being down seventeen nothing, the game script kind of fell out of favor where they had to kind of throw to catch up, but. Um, you know, if it's not seventeen nothing, I think you get more of a more of a balanced attack. But what I like though from the passing game is you talked about balance in the pass game is is kind of a uh, equal distribution among targets within guys. So you take a look at this, and I think it'd be good to have Antonio Brown and Godwin up a little bit more, and Mike Evans down a little bit more, especially from those double digit tar- targets. And you see today, Evans was seven, Brown was seven, Godwin with five, Gronkowski with seven. That equal distribution, um, as long as there's that equal dis- distribution among targets, and it's kind of centered more towards the middle of the field where Brady likes to work, specifically with maybe Godwin on unders, Brown and Gronkowski, that can kind of be where they kind of get their rhythm, pick up first downs, control the game that way. So we're going to take another break, and then come next up to the break on Barbershop Sports. So we're going to finish up with talking about some other things that happened around the league for Week 15 of NFL Action. Come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and as we've been doing all show, recapping Week 15 of NFL action. So, Kenny, Seattle, 20, I believe, 20 to 15 against Washington, the football team, as you call them, 20 to 15 win. Um, Not the most inspiring win in the world, I would say. And I know Washington, they have a really good front four particularly, right? Really good front four, really good front seven, and they can make it difficult. But I guess here's where I'm concerned. Seattle's offense started out really hot, scoring all these points in the beginning of the year. And now their offenses seem to have gotten worse and worse and worse. You know, we saw it against the Giants when they lost. You know, know, weren't able to really move the ball as much. And and as I'm looking at this right now, Kenny, three of the last four games, they've scored 23 or under, which is a far cry from what they were doing when they were on uh, a hot pace, being one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. Russell Wilson also... I said multiple games now where he's thrown one touchdown. What do you think the issue is now with the Seahawks offense? Yeah, so so with Seattle offense. Cause it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think if anything, they gotta they gotta put the ball in Russell Wilson's hand a little bit more. Uh, it's on the second half against football team 
where if they're scoring to get 20 points, they had 20 points early in the fourth, early in the third quarter and looked good. And then, you know, they, they had four straight three and has to end the game. And a couple of things on those is it got back to what happened, I think, when that, that Seattle offense was heavily criticized a few years ago is they go three and out, they go run, run, pass. And, you know, they want to run the ball on second and long, take the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands, and then third down, say, okay, here you go, get us out of this mess, pick up a first down. And so I think it would be more of, a, uh, more of a play calling point is putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more and targeting the tight ends he has a good rapport with, Lockett and Metcalf, as opposed to kind of trying to grind it out. And, and, and they did run the ball well, but instead of trying to grind it out like that, because that's just going to keep the game close, and you, know, you can still score against them. Uh, they, and, and the defense has been playing better in the second half of the year, but, you know, you can still move the ball and score on them and, and just have that game close late, where if you kind of come out early and throwing, trying to push the ball down the field with Metcalf, even getting a deep pass, but maybe getting an interference call, pushing the ball down the field more, being more progressive, and I think just putting the ball in Wilson's hands would give them more of that, you know, that upper 20s, 30-point game, 400 yards of offense that they did in the early part of the year. 27 passes for Russell Wilson. Seahawks passed it 27 times. They rushed it 26. To me, that can't be the formula for Seattle. This is in the Legion of Boom days when Russell Wilson was a puppy in the second year in the league, and you had Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, right? They had Michael Bennett and all these guys walking through that door. Cliff Averill. Like, those guys aren't walking through that door when they had KG Wright and all these guys, all of them in their primes. Like, those guys aren't walking through that door, Kenny. You can't play like that. Like, 40 times. 40 times. I'd like to see at least 10 targets to DK Metcalf. I don't think he's even hit 10 the last four games. Mm-hmm. Seattle needs to realize what they are and what they have. Like This is not how they win the Super Bowl. And every scenario there is, if we played out the NFL season 100 times, that recipe, 27 passes to 26 rushes, is not how they win. And, you know, I think a lot of teams, they can use balance, but Seattle, that's not what they are. Put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands and let him go to work. You see what they do with you see what they do with Patrick Mahomes? They will put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and let him go to work. They, they, that's what you need to do with Russell Wilson. I, I don't understand what's wrong with Pete Carroll and their offensive coordinator and why they won't do that. Why they refuse to do that. It's not how they're gonna win games, Kenny. Absolutely great. Absolutely great point. You know, I think, and, and it's been, it's been a, a very scrutinized topic for the last few years. Is specifically, I go back to that playoff game against Dallas two years ago. How many times they ran the ball on first and ten? It was run, run, pass, third and eight, third and seven, and then, and then it's just, I mean. If you do that countless times down the field, 
one of those third down plays, there's going to be an incompletion or a long penalty on a holding call. And that's, and that's something else that Seattle needs to watch out is the holding calls on the offensive line. Get one of those. Now it's third and 20. You got to punt the ball. That is something that, you know, you would think they turned the corner in the beginning part of the year because they were doing completely the opposite of that early in the year when they got you know, a lot of yards, a lot of points. Russell Wilson was on pace for 80 touchdowns. I think he had 15 touchdowns in the first three games. Getting back to that would be helpful for them. Yeah, I, but I also will say this. You know, their, their defense is getting better, but to me it's like, what, what are you sacrificing, right? Like, this style is not going to win them the Super Bowl. I think there's a better chance they will win the Super Bowl playing the way they did against Dallas. When it's like 35 to 31, they're giving up all these yards, they make a clutch play on defense at the end. That is the path more so than the having these 2015 games, 23 to 17 games, right? Like, th- that's how Seattle's going to have to do it. Th- that- that's how they're going to do it, and I think Pete Carroll's going to need to come to that real- realization and let Russ cook. Give him the ball and, and make him make plays because he's one of the special quarterbacks in this league. So I want to say this. So Logan Thomas, ex-quarterback for Virginia Tech, had... 13 receptions, Kenny, for the Washington football team. 13 receptions. I just want to say this really quickly. How shocked are you that he, you know, he's kind of developed at this point, he's a tight end now, and then he's able to do that in an NFL game? Well, 13 was surprising, but when Dwayne Haskins is in at quarterback, <laughs> Logan Thomas has been a trusted target. He's been a trusted target. He's been a good fantasy player. Get those, I mean, you know, he's getting a healthy... Usually, seven, eight, nine targets a game, six catches, sixty yards. So he is a trusty source, and you know, definitely probably checking down a lot yesterday with the Seattle defense. Dwayne Haskins doubled that, but uh, when 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 Haskins is playing, Logan Thomas becomes definitely a quality tight end um, that's going to see a lot of volume in that offense, and he did yesterday. And Dwayne Haskins also played uh, pretty solid, right? You, you were happy with how Dwayne played? He had 55 passes, I think. That's, that's Yeah, I mean, it was a mixed bag. I mean, it was a mixed bag with that. Uh, you know, two, two turnovers, six picks, and sacks combined. Um, yeah, it was just a little bit. I mean, just, overall, it was a mixed bag with him. How? And here's the crazy thing. We'll go back to Russell Wilson. Dwayne Haskins passed it 55 times. But Russell Wilson can only get 27 pass attempts? <laughs> yeah, both teams. I mean, both teams had pretty productive days running the ball, too. I mean, seven yards a carry for Seattle. Washington ran it, you know, a healthy 4.2 yards a carry, too. But I just think with, with a really limited passing game, um, and definitely a guy that you don't want to have dropping back 55 times in Dwayne Haskins. Um, that was, a, you know, an odd script for them to foul. So now New England, uh, they lost to Miami. They lost to Miami, I believe, 22-16, to a 15-3 fourth quarter for Tua and Co. New England is now eliminated from the playoffs. Where do the Patriots go from here? I think the first thing for the Patriots is looking at this quarterback position and seeing, you know, I think the first thing is trying to see, you know, is there a way for us to kind of move up and get 
and get a young quarterback, whether it be a Zach Wilson, a Trey Lance. Um, you know, you take a look at some teams that might be prone to trade down and collect some picks. I know it's a pretty early talk about draft, but I'm thinking a team like the Falcons maybe. I'm thinking a team now like the Bengals maybe. But the first thing for the Patriots is is where do we go with quarterback and then go from there with the team. So I think they need an offensive influx. You know, I think I think Bill's got the defense and they're gonna get a lot of guys coming back from the opt outs and you know, you still got Bill Belichick with the defense, but they need a I think go forward with a young quarterback to groom and develop because Cam Newton looks basically I mean he almost looks done. And it's a little sad from a guy that was a MVP in 2015. Um, so that, and then, you know, we've talked about that on this podcast for every week is the way the Patriots have won with throwing 13 to 15 times and running the ball 50 times. That's unsustainable in today's NFL. You're going to have to throw the ball at some point. So the first thing is how do we kind of, what do we do with the QB position? Do we exercise the trade market? You know, you, you know. Do 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 we utilize the trade market to bring in a veteran? Um, yeah, it's like the teacher that that wants their kids instead of typing with their laptops to use a typewriter. That doesn't work yeah, now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, take a look at. I don't. I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't know. Take a look at like a like a Carson Wentz, a Matt Ryan, a Stafford Garoppolo. I don't know. I mean, but but the first thing for them is what do we do at quarterback? Who do we want to move forward with at the quarterback position? And go from there. I think they're going to need some offensive skill players as well. And that's been a position, it's been a blind spot for Bill Belichick at the GM with, with, with just the amount of misses at wide receiver. It's been a little bit of a blind spot picking from a personnel standpoint. But trying to revamp this passing game is kind of where the Patriots need to go from here. So the Rams. Uh, and actually, let's, let's, let me pose it this way. The Jets can't do anything right. They could have potentially lost Trevor Lawrence. Come on, Kenny. You know you find this funny, right? I, I don't want to say the, the Rams. Even though what the Rams did, it's egregious. It, it, it's egregious. <laughs> Sean McVay must be so disappointed. Uh, what do you make of this? Like like the Jets. Like All they had to do was lose. That's all they had to do. Just imagine being a Jets fan. That must suck. It's like being yeah, stuck in purgatory. Yeah, you're not. You're no. neither dead nor living. You're just there. Yeah, you kind of talked about being 0-16, but there was light at the end of the tunnel. You had a chance to get Trevor Lawrence. You won that game. I think this game, I mean, this game for all the conspiracy theorists and, and, and people that want to have a lot of talking points, this is a <laughs> This this one game on week four on week fifteen of the schedule, this one game, this this Jets Rams game, has a chance to alter the NFL history for years to come because you have a potential great quarterback coming out, and we could play the what if game forever. He could have been in the Jets New York market. Now he could be in freaking Jacksonville, and they're going to be in London in five years. Yeah, <laughs> you have them going there, but you know. Sometimes it is beneficial to kind of lose games, you know, when when uh, a couple of teams late won in 2011. 
you know, you won a couple of battles, but you didn't win the war. You couple, I mean, you won a couple of games, but, you know, at the end of the day, the prize was Andrew Luck. So now you take a look at the Jets. They're out of that pick. They got a lot of things to figure out now. And the Jets, or, or, and, now, and now the Jags, Jags go into that one spot. And, you know, again, as a potentially NFL-changing landscape is, now you get Trevor Lawrence with the Jets. You get that quarterback. Where do the Jags fortunes turn now to? If you're Trevor, earlier now with five GM jobs opening, you know I always thought the Jags had a pretty favorable opening from a GM perspective. Maybe not from a coach perspective, but from a personnel standpoint, I think it's a job a lot of GMs want, um, along with Carolina too. But if, now, I mean, that's a job that's going to covet a lot of attention. And they're going to, I mean, that's a job that GMs want to have. And hopefully for Jets fans, they can knock it out of the park with their GM coming in. With Tre- Do you think Trevor Lawrence would rather play with the Jaguars or the Jets? Yeah, I mean, I just think he's just such a good competitor that, I mean, I, 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 mean, I think he'll play wherever. I mean, I just think he'll play wherever. I will say this. If you want to have, this would be, you know, and, and, and I'm looking at it from a GM perspective, but from a coach perspective, going to the Jags with Trevor Lawrence, this would be a job where I think a college coach really help here because you could potentially run a, quote, college offense with Lawrence because you have a guy that can run the jet sweep and a wide receiver that can carry the football in LaVisca Chenault. You have... DJ Chark on the outside. You got a running back in Robinson. You had two first round picks on defense last year. There's, they, they got two more first round picks coming in, but there's pieces to work with on the Jags. Might be two years, but you got Lawrence, Robinson, Chenault, Chark. You got some guys to work with on offense. Who would you? Who do you think could be that college coach? I, I know we've talked off the air about Ryan Day, maybe. You think Ryan Day's more likely than a Lincoln Riley, but who do you think that college coach would be? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Ryan Day. I think if there was a college coach from that route to look at, I think, um, you know, I think potentially a guy that is definitely on some NFL teams is a Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Um you know, I think this would be a really good position for Carolina offensive coordinator Joe Brady. I'm really high on him. I think if you have him and kind of that five-out offense that they run with five guys out for passes that they have in Carolina, I think that would be one, too. I'll kind of lump him in that college route. Um, but kind of looking at the landscape, I don't know if there's going to be that, you know, that really big name college coach going to the Jags. I'm trying to be realistic with this. So, no, not Urban Meyer, not Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley. Um, not Dabo Sweeney? Not, no, not Dabo Sweeney, but I, I, I think Matt Campbell would be one. And I think Matt Campbell is really similar to Matt Rule in the fact that they have won with really limited talent. They're big on culture and development and toughness and accountability. And they kind of like building it with their hands from the ground up. So I think that could be a potential one. Jim Harbaugh? 
I think he's getting an extension at Michigan. Um, they could come to their senses. Yeah, but I think Joe Brady would be one. Um, but 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 definitely, I think a young offensive mind too. Because Daryl, you also need to remember too is, especially with Trevor Lawrence, is if you have his primary play caller be the coordinator, if they do well, that coordinator could get plucked up to be a head coach. Whether if you have an offensive coach, an offensive-minded head coach, you know he's always going to be there with Trevor Lawrence. First, having a defensive coach or a special teams coach, you have your offensive coordinator. He does a really good job. He's going to leave and be a head coach somewhere else, too. So I think that's something that needs to be considered when you think about building your team with the head coach and GM eventually. And I would think that that Jags head coaching spot would be open at the end of the year with Doug Marone. So they have a clean slate to work with GM and coach. But that's something to always remember with a talented young quarterback is if we have his primary play caller be the head coach, we always know that he's going to be there for being the offensive coordinator and a chance for another team to stoop you up if you have success there. And last, I do have to ask you this, Kenny. How many people lost money on the Rams-Jets game, do you think, in America? Uh, probably more often than, probably more than not. I didn't see the amount of how that money was distributed with, 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 with tickets, but they, they, they were definitely a 17-point favorite, so it is really hard, Doug. You know, more often than not, you take the 17 points, you're going to win. Uh, but probably a lot of people, all those people that wanted to do some money line bets and thought they, they, they spent a lot to get a free, free however many dollars they want. A sure thing uh, kind of blew up in their face there. Well, I will tell you this. This is why they have professional gamblers. Because if you're a professional gambler, you would have picked the, the Jets. Exactly. <laughs> I would have been on the Jets side, too. There was 17 points. <laughs> Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, and you have a you have a good holiday, a good Christmas to you and all your listeners, and then we will do it again next Sunday for Week 16. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the episode. I really appreciate it. And once again, I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 239th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.